Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Road World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here by Drew Silva. Drew, how's it going? What's up, man? Um, glad to have the trade deadline in the past. Yes. We're, we're working down the stretch now. Um, exciting times. Yeah. We're in the dog days of summer basically. And, uh, I mean, there could still be some deals in August, but, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say, you know, the big moves are behind us. Um, the trade deadline, usually our biggest day at Roto World, maybe, maybe outside of the winter meetings. I think yeah. it's safe to say winter meetings can get a little crazy too, but you know, the trade deadline always always crazy always get i'd say probably our most page views in that day most interest and and certainly you can understand why uh so plenty of fantasy fallout from those deals um you know as we move forward here this season and beyond um before we get into uh the trade deadline uh just a reminder to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts whether it's apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify google play audio boom etc and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating and reviewing the show as well. Okay, so let's dig into things here, and we'll start with the big one. And it actually trickled in a little after the 4 p.m. deadline. I was sort of, like, bummed that nothing major happened. Um, and then it was, I think it was around, like, 4.10, 4.12, something like that. Uh, Fox Sports' Ken Rosenthal came out with the report, and that, of course, was the Dodgers acquiring you Darvish from the Rangers uh, obviously a huge deal there. The Rangers got Willie Calhoun, AJ Alexi, Brendan Davis in the deal. Uh, now Darvish, I mean, hasn't had the kind of year that I think a lot of us were hoping for from him has a 401 ERA this season, uh, through 22 starts has really struggled recently. Basically hasn't won in, in like two months, uh, has a five, eight, one ERA over his last eight starts, uh, gave up a career high 10 runs last time out. Um, so hasn't had the kind of season that I think a lot of us were hoping for from him, but I definitely think reason for optimism with the move to the national league joins the best team in the majors, uh, makes that league switch. So, you know, get to face the pitcher, more strikeout potential there as well. Uh, and, and a more pitcher friendly stadium as well. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I think this is an awesome fit for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're going to see that ERA get a lot better. Um, making a bunch of starts in the NL um, at Dodger Stadium. And then you think about the Dodgers' rotation for the postseason, Clayton Kershaw, assuming he comes back healthy from that back injury. And then you, Darvish, Alex Wood is having a fantastic season. Rich Hill has been great lately. 
Um, needless to say, but I'll say it anyway, it'll be a big disappointment if the Dodgers don't make a late run in these playoffs. It's like World Series or bust. Of course, they'll have to get through some teams with similar expectations, Nationals, Cubs, and then the two current wildcard leaders, the Rockies and Diamondbacks, have very good offenses. So, you know, the, the, the playoffs are hard, especially when you have the expectations like the Dodgers are going to have coming off possibly like a 110-win regular season. Yeah, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in the postseason, but they've set themselves up really nicely. Uh, as you mentioned, Alex Wood is having a great year. Uh, Kershaw is hurt right now, but the expectation is he's going to be fine with that back injury, and he'll he'll probably return maybe around the start of September, something like that, uh, get a couple of starts uh, going into the postseason. Um, and add, adding you Darvish to the mix, I mean, this is a really scary team. I mean, they were already scary, uh, but this takes it to another level for sure. Um, with this return with the Rangers, uh, I think it's safe to say uh, Calhoun, probably the centerpiece or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the most interesting name from a fantasy perspective, one to keep an eye out for. He's really close to the majors at this point. Uh, he was he's hitting he was hitting 294 with 23 homers and a 922 OPS in AAA this year. Um, he's sort of played some second base, some left field, um, but he's a guy, at least from what I've heard, hasn't really had a position. Um, so seems like, you know, a good fit to move over to the American league. Maybe he can get some time in left field, but also could be a DH, that sort of thing. Um, and while there wasn't really an opening with the Dodgers, uh, in their lineup, uh, I think the Rangers will give him a chance, maybe even down the stretch here. Um, so I think he's someone to keep an eye on on the waiver wire. So uh, I like I like him moving over to the Rangers for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily like a gangbusters return for Texas. But, yeah. you know, it's a two, three-month rental on Darvish, who, like you said, is has an ERA that's above four at the moment. Um, so I, I don't know if, if they were going to get a lot. That's probably why it came down to the final bell or even the, after the final bell. Um, to get this trade done, because I'm sure the Rangers wanted a lot more, but they they probably knew that they needed to get at least something for him, because he's probably going to depart as a free agent, or, you know, maybe they could try to re-sign him uh, this winter, but it, they were smart, I think, to at least get something for him, and, and Calhoun is a very legitimate prospect. Yeah, I mean, this was sort of, uh, as we, we notice in these deals, uh, it started with the J.D. Martinez deal, this was sort of a buyer's market, yeah. um, so this is just sort of how things fell. Um, and the, even though Martinez was dealt, the market for position players just didn't really materialize. There really, yeah. there wasn't really a lot as far as position players being traded big names uh, outside of Martinez there. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a weird market. I think maybe the Aroldis Chapman trade from last year kind of threw everybody's expectations out of whack for what <laughs> to expect with rentals. Um, but I think maybe things are a little bit more back to reality now. Um, yeah. So that was it. that was probably the most interesting thing to notice about this trade deadline. Um, I know you wanted to take us through this next one, the, the Sonny Gray trade. Yeah, that's probably the, the next biggest headline of, of trade deadline day was about an hour before the deadline. Um, I don't know, in our podcast last, last week, we identified the Yankees as the likely front runner for Gray, but it took you know almost towards the final bell for the for the Yankees and A's to finally work out a package that made both sides happy. Um, Gray is making his Yankees debut against the Indians as we record here on Thursday night. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, he was enjoying a nice rebound season in Oakland, 3.43 ERA, 1.175 whip, 94 strikeouts and 97 innings. Uh, and the big attraction with him is that he's under club control. 
through the 2019 season. Um, fantasy implications uh, moving to the AL East and Yankee Stadium specifically might do some damage to that ERA, but if you're a great owner, you definitely get a boost in your potential for wins. The Yankees are 10 games over 500 compared to the A's at 12 games below 500. Um, Oakland's return here is, I think, kind of interesting because uh, I guess I didn't even list who they got. They got Dustin, Dustin Fowler, Fowler uh, Jorge Mateo, and James Caprielian. Mm-hmm. Um, Fowler's done for the season after rupturing the patella tendon in his right knee back in June uh, during the first inning of his Major League debut, actually. And Caprielian underwent Tommy John surgery in April, so his rehab will run into probably mid-2018. But those guys were highly ranked prospects before the injuries. Fowler had an 871 OPS, 13 homers, 13 stolen bases at AAA. Um, Caprielian was the 16th overall pick in the 2015 draft. And then Mateo was a consensus top 100 prospect leading into 2017, one of the fastest players in the sport. He had 39 stolen bases in 99 games this year between the Yankees high A and double A affiliates. So I think it's, it's a nice trade for Oakland though. I mean, they gave up a, a pitcher who's kind of been their ace when healthy over the last four or five years. Um, but you know, the, the Yankees needed, uh, rotation help. Like we talked about, um, Michael Pineda done for the year following Tommy John surgery. Um, and I, I think Gray's a, a good fit. I, for, for fantasy purposes, maybe, like I said, the ERA, it might get a little worse, but I think you, you can, you know, be happy with the fact that you're probably going to get a few more wins down the stretch. And the Yankees also have a lockdown bullpen, so um, that should only help Gray as well. I think the A's are inheriting a lot of risk in this deal, uh, but potentially a lot of reward as well. I mean, that that knee injury that Fowler had was really gruesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So how he's going to bounce back from that, I mean, we'll see. Um, Mateo, Mateo, like, basically this time last year, or maybe the start of last season, he was considered one of the top prospects in the game um and he kind of disappointed last year got off to a slow start this year but as you said has excellent speed uh so so from a fantasy perspective you definitely want to follow this guy and see how he does he definitely has uh some serious potential so um you know that's what they took on in this deal was potential but also a lot of risk um some of these other deals we weren't we didn't really have a ton of major trades right up before the deadline but uh, the Cubs got Justin Wilson and Alex Avila from the Tigers. Uh, Al Avila trading his own son. Uh, <laughs> but he traded him to a contender, chance to win a World Series uh, with the yeah. Cubs. Uh, the Tigers uh, got Yamer Candelario, uh, Isaac Paredes, and a player to be named later in cash considerations uh, in that deal. Uh, Candelario is the player to watch here, I think. Um, he's already played a little bit with the Cubs over the past couple of seasons. Uh, and someone who obviously was blocked by Chris Bryant. So uh, gets straight to the Tigers. Definitely a chance for him to surface there relatively soon. Of course, the Tigers have Nic- Nicholas Castellanos, but uh, Castellanos could end up in the outfield. He's not a particularly strong defender at third base. Uh, it's just a question of whether the Tigers want to experiment uh, down the stretch this year or wait until spring training next year. I think it's certainly possible maybe they'll want to wait before making that change. But Candelario, definitely someone to, to keep an eye out for, I think. Yeah. Um, Wilson, obviously the fantasy fallout with him is, you know, he had been serving as the Tigers' closer now in a setup role. 
um, with the Cubs behind closer Wade Davis. But I mean, that's a good fit for the for the Cubs. They, I think they needed a little bit of late inning or middle relief bullpen help, and they got it. They also wanted to get a veteran catcher, and Alex Avila is having a really really good year. Um, a, a nice kind of not not necessarily a platoon mate, but someone who could spell Wilson Contreras here and there. Yeah, and a good a good bat off the bench and whatnot. Unfortunately, this takes away a lot of Avila's value. I don't think he's going to play that much. Yeah. Um. So you know he'd basically been splitting the time in Detroit behind the plate. So now, uh, you know takes takes away a lot of his value. Uh, as for Wilson, he could be an alternative for the closer role next year. Wade Davis yeah. is going to be a free agent uh, this off season. So. Uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on for 2018. Um, Red Sox uh, acquired Addison Reed from the Mets. Uh, the Mets got a trio of young relievers, Jamie Callahan, Gerson Batista, and Steven Nogasek. Uh, Callahan, the closest to the majors, but, you know, they're relievers. I mean, who knows what could happen there, basically. But, uh, you know, they're kind of upside arms. The Mets don't really have much uh, relief depth throughout their organization, so... Uh, they kind of wanted to replenish that. And again, I think this was a dose of reality uh, with the Aroldis Chapman situation from last year. I think some Mets fans were expecting the moon um, for Addison Reed, and, and this kind of takes us back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever asked you, why did the Mets uh, trade for A.J. Ramos? I think they see him as a replacement for Addison Reed for next year. Okay. Basically, Um just sort of that filling that same sort of role. I don't think they expect to re-sign Addison Reed. Addison Reed's probably going to make a lot of money this offseason to go close some somewhere next year. Yeah. Uh, and Familia will be back probably by the end of the season, um, and he'll be back in the closer role next year. So I'm assuming they didn't expect to re-sign Reed. So they get A.J. Ramos one more year of team control through arbitration. So it's basically like a one-year deal. Um, which he'll probably make, you know, eight million something in that that price range. He's not as good as Addison Reed, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, he walks a ton of dudes, um, but you know he strikes out a lot of guys. He kind of outpitches his his uh, peripherals basically. Yeah. Um, so he may be okay, but yeah, I mean, at first I was really confused by that one, <laughs> um, but the more I thought about it, I guess it I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Um, an- another fairly big move was the Nationals acquiring right-hander Brandon Kinsler from the Twins for minor league left-hander Tyler Watson and $500,000 in international spending money. Uh, Kinsler had been serving as the Twins' closer, but the early indications are that he'll be used as a setup man in Washington. Sean Doolittle has handled the Nationals' last four save opportunities all successfully, and the Nats also acquired Ryan Madsen from the A's in that trade when they got Doolittle. Um, I guess the biggest fantasy impact from the Kinsler trade is that the Twins' closer role is now wide open. Um, Matt Belisle was warming up in the ninth inning Wednesday before Irvin Santana finished off his league-leading fifth complete game of the season. Uh, Taylor Rogers, I guess, could be an option there too, but I, I think Belisle is actually a, a pretty decent pickup if you're desperate for saves. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Belisle kind of, you know, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. He's never he's really, not... <laughs> he's never really been a closer to my no. knowledge. Um, you know, he's kind of been like a middle reliever, but he's in a situation where he could take advantage of that. Uh, Taylor Rogers, we'll get more into these closer situations later, but right. t- Taylor Rogers, um, he w- was having a really good year, but recently he's been awful. I think in his five straight appearances, he's been scored upon. So um, at least in the short term, I don't know, you know, he maybe uh, Paul Molitor's lost some faith in him, I think. 
Uh, the Diamondbacks made a couple of moves right before the deadline, getting infielder Adam Rosales from the Athletics for minor league right-hander Jefferson Mejia. And they also got set-up man David Hernandez from the Angels for minor league right-hander Luis Madero. Um, Rosales was just one of three major league position players traded at this year's deadline. Like we talked about earlier, there's not much action on the position player market. The other two were Alex Avila and Tim Beckham. Hmm. Um, that's kind of a surprising fact, but I, it just sort of played out that way. The Marlins didn't want to move any of their outfielders and the Royals had decided a few weeks ago to hold on to the, all of their impending free agents. Um, Rosales has basically just been stepped for Arizona. Not much going on there for fantasy purposes. David Hernandez will continue to work in a setup role like he was in Anaheim. I find it interesting the Angels decided not to move Bud Norris, but Norris owners are certainly pleased with that. Hmm. Uh, the Brewers, uh, they reacquired Jeremy Jeffress from the Rangers. Um, worth noting, I don't know, there's no real fantasy value there, yeah. um, but he's just a year removed from being a really good reliever, but things just didn't really work out for him in Texas. Uh, the Dodgers acquired Tony Watson from the Pirates. Uh, Tony Watson will just be, you know, middle middle inning setup man there. Of course, he lost his closer role uh, earlier this year in Pittsburgh. Um, he's going to be a free agent after the season. Uh, the Dodgers also got Tony Singrani from the Reds, uh, another guy who kind of filled a mid- middle inning setup role, um, lefty specialist type of thing. Um, one that is interesting from a fantasy perspective, the Astros acquired Francisco Liriano from the Blue Jays, Nori Aoki and Teoscar Hernandez, uh, going back to Toronto. And I'm not really interested in the Liriano part. It seems like he's going to be out of the bullpen in Houston, but Teoscar Hernandez, I think is, is worth mentioning. Um, kind of a guy who's been blocked on the Astros. You look at the depth in their outfield prospects coming up, kind of expendable for them. But if you look at the minor league numbers, he's routinely put up some really solid mm-hmm. power and speed numbers going up through the minors. Um, and in, in Toronto, he's still kind of blocked right now. Jose Bautista's still there. Uh, Steve Pierce is playing a lot in the outfield. So maybe they trade one of those guys in August. But I think down the stretch, we're probably going to see Teoscar Hernandez. And certainly next year, he's someone to keep in mind as a potential sleeper. Yeah, I'm a little surprised the Astros didn't acquire a starting pitcher at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, they were they were connected to a lot of different guys, so I'm, I'm sure they were trying. But you know, they're an organization that values prospects as as organizations should. So maybe they just didn't want to you know meet the asking price. Um, a couple of other moves we talked about: Tim Beckham, uh, he went to the to the Orioles for right-hander Tobias Myers, who went back to the Rays in exchange. I found that to be kind of a confusing deal for Tampa Bay, given that they had been adding and not subtracting with the wild card and even ALE's title in sight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've been very happy with the play of a, a, a Denny Hecaveria at shortstop and second baseman Brad Miller's finally healthy. So they got a decent pitching prospect for Beckham, who carries three more years of club control. Um, Beckham is serving as the Orioles' everyday shortstop now, while J.J. Hardy continues his recovery from a fractured right wrist. Beckham is actually having a decent year overall, uh, mm-hmm. former number one overall pick. Gets a little boost in fantasy value with maybe the move to a more power-friendly home park, but he's probably still just an AL-only guy. Um, another trade, Indians, they acquired setup man Joe Smith from the Blue Jays for minor league left-hander Thomas Pannone and minor league infielder Samad Taylor. Smith gives Cleveland another reliable bullpen weapon. 
kind of a timely trade actually with Andrew Miller landing on the disabled list this week due to patellar tendonitis in his right knee. You know, we heard a lot about uh, actually the morning of the trade deadline. There was suddenly reports that they were after a lot of big name relievers. And it was so it was kind of weird to me that that was happening. But now it kind of makes a little bit more sense why they were connected to those guys. It was even Zach Britton they were talking about. Right. Yeah. Smith pitched for the Indians from 2009, 2013. So it's a familiar landing spot for him. He was enjoying a, a really nice year as a setup man for the Blue Jays. Um, and then the final trade that that happened on the uh, on deadline day, or at least the least important one, was the Pirates acquiring uh, Joaquin Benoit from the Phillies in exchange for right-hander Seth McGarry. There's really not much to add to this one. Benoit began the 2017 season as the Phillies closer, but quickly lost that job, and he'll work in like a middle relief role down the stretch for the Pirates, who really aren't really in contention anyway. Um, so some of the interesting names who weren't dealt at the deadline, yeah. uh, I think the one that sticks out to me that I was kind of surprised didn't happen, Brad Hand with the Padres. Um, yeah. To me, a guy who's probably at his maximum value right now. Um, so I'm a little miffed why that didn't happen. Um, Justin Verlander, not a big surprise given the year he's had and the, the contract uh, that he has. Also has a full no-trade clause. Um, yeah, hand hand is under contract through 2020, and it sounds like the Padres like wanted a lot in return. Yeah. And rightly so, like given how dominant he's been this year and with the years of control. But I think contending teams were focused on bullpen rentals, and I think that's probably the right strategy for a contending team, given how volatile relievers can be yeah. year over year. Yeah. Um, we saw Zach Britton stay put as well. I, and yeah, I don't I, know. I don't know what the Orioles are doing. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know what the offers were, but I also yeah, feel like sure. Britton hasn't. I mean, may, I think his last appearance, he kind of looked a, a bit more like himself. Um, but I'd still be weary about the the uh, the forearm situation with him. Uh, and we also saw Lance Lynn stay put with with your Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals were in a weird spot. That the division, I guess, is technically still in reach, or it was at that point. So they just decided to hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the offers weren't to their liking. Um, so maybe they're going to make him a qualifying offer this winter and, you know, get a draft pick. Um, with with Verlander, I mean, like you said, I think the contract was prohibitive. There was said to be interest from the Cubs, Brewers, and Dodgers over the last couple of weeks. But I think the, the Tigers did not want to eat a big chunk of that $60 million that he's still owed. And I think they also wanted decent prospects in return, which is like just not going to happen for a 34 year old with league average numbers this year and a massive contract. And he's a guy, you know, we're going to hear this month, you know, player placed on waivers, that kind of stuff, you know, just try to ignore that as much as possible because basically everyone's placed on waivers Uh, in August. Verlander will, will definitely be placed on waivers. I think he already is. Um, so he'll pass he'll pass through waivers if that happens you know the the tigers can talk trade with anybody um if someone uh claims a player and they're pulled back then they can't put him back through waivers for the rest of the month um so you know don't don't overreact too much to hearing players on waivers but verlander a guy with his contract will almost certainly pass through um and so we may continue to hear trade rumors about him uh throughout august but certainly the tigers could try again uh, this offseason. Um, I wanted to get into some of these closer situations. We've seen a bunch of new closers sort of emerge because of, of trades and, and just role changes in general performance. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we need to rank these guys, but 
Um, who do you like from basically this new group of closure of closers that we have? Um, I like Shane Green a lot, uh, taking over the closer role in Detroit from Justin Wilson, who, as we said, was traded to the Cubs on the morning of the deadline or the night before, however you want to qualify it. Uh, Green struck out two batters in a perfect eight-pitch ninth inning on Wednesday against the Yankees to earn his second save. He earned his first save Tuesday, the day before, so he's been you know, perfect so far in that role. 2.59 ERA, 53 strikeouts, and 48 innings this year. And of the teams that traded late-inning relievers at the deadline, I think the Tigers are probably best positioned for a semi-decent finish to the year in terms of wins, which, of course, leads to save opportunities. Like, you know, there's still some talent on the team. you got Miguel Cabrera, and Verlander has been okay. And I guess they just lost Michael Fulmer to the disabled list yeah. today, which is kind of concerning with an elbow injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also suddenly pretty high on Trevor Rosenthal, who is – Looked like the Trevor Rosenthal of old over the last several weeks. Um, throwing 100, you know, 100 mile an hour fastballs. He's got a changeup that he's developed a lot over the past two years. Not walking nearly as many batters. I mean, that's always really been the big problem with him. He's got the stuff, but he he just puts people on base all the time. 70 strikeouts and in 43 innings this year. Um, he has taken ninth inning duties from Sungwon Oh, and I I think he'll keep them if he continues to pitch even decently well. Cardinals have been hovering around 500 all year, as we've talked about on this podcast. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> sigh. <laughs> yeah, and I don't expect him to play much better down the stretch. But um, you know, compared to some of the other situations that we're talking about in this segment, I think Rosenthal's in a relatively good spot to see regular save chances and to convert them. Yeah, I think I would put. If not at the top of the list with Rosenthal, you know, pretty close to the top. I think Brad mm-hmm. Hand Brad Hand is probably my number one. Uh, now that it's you know it's pretty clear he's going to finish the year with the Padres. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I think last week or maybe the week before I was saying I liked Kirby Yates a lot, but I don't really see him as a threat uh, to Brad Hand, who's you know awesome, uh, yeah. def- definitely the best pitcher in this bullpen. So there's really no dispute there. So I would put Brad Brad Hand at the top. I like Shane Green as well. Uh, walks a few more guys than you'd like to mm-hmm. see. So uh, something to keep in mind with him. Uh, Joe Jimenez is also in that Tigers bullpen now. They called him up this week. He's kind of uh, referred to as kind of the closer of the future for the Tigers. Um, so they're going to get his feet wet in the, lit, in the late innings here down the stretch, you know, seventh inning, eighth inning kind of duties. But he's a guy they're definitely grooming for the cl- closer role in the future. It probably won't happen this year, uh, but I wouldn't count on Green being the guy maybe beyond this year. Um, yeah. I think probably a, an interesting one to touch on here is the Nationals closer situation. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, of course, was acquired from the Twins this week, so there was another name into the mix uh, with Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen, who were acquired from the A's uh, in July, I think mid-July, basically, uh, when they came over. So uh, Doolittle's kind of been the guy to this point, uh, but Kinsler, a guy from the right side, he doesn't have really the durability kind of issues that Doolittle's had during his career. So um, I'm and the Nationals kind of, kind of haven't even hinted how they want to utilize these guys. So I think it's just as confusing now as it was before, if not more so. Yeah, um, an- another one that with the Braves, Arodis Vizcaino has quietly had a really good year, and Jim Johnson has continued to struggle. So it looks like. It might be Vizcaino at closer in Atlanta for the stretch run. I like it. Uh, 
Yeah, the 26-year-old right-hander got the Braves' last save on Tuesday, throwing a perfect ninth inning against the Dodgers. He has a 2.56 ERA, 42-12 to K-to-walk ratio in 38 innings this season. Um, he was, at the beginning of this week, he was owned in less than 10% of Yahoo leagues. It's up to 27% now, so people are catching on. But might as well check your waiver wire right now, see if, he, see if he's out there. Um, the Rangers situation is kind of a mess. Alex Claudio, Jose Leclerc. Uh, I thought Keona Kella might get some save opportunities, but it, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Of course, they haven't won many games recently, so maybe <laughs> we see a change in that regard soon. Um, Blake Trinan got the A's last save on Monday. Santiago Casilla has been a little bit better over the last week uh, since the last time we talked about this situation. Um, and then uh, are there any others? Uh, the Marlins, Brad Ziegler at closer for now, I guess. Yeah, Barracuda is on his way back, it seems. Yeah, I, I think he will might be back by the end of August, and, I, and I'm sure they're going to give him a run. Um, yeah. Really good arm talent. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Ramos is a new closer with the Mets, but uh, and he should be pretty high on that list too, I should say. Yeah. Um, you know, just with what he's done in the past, but he may only be a stopgap until Familia comes back, or maybe the Mets will... You know, just kind of want to play it safe with Familia down the stretch. He may not pitch all that much. Like, who knows? We can't just take it for granted he's going to come back and, and be himself. So Ramos, another pretty solid option. But it's not like he ever lost a job to begin with. He just was traded from being the closer in Miami, and he's now the closer with the Mets. But right. um, another solid guy who's already owned in most leagues. Um, I guess we, we could mention the White Sox, but I think they're the most <laughs> uninspiring team in this whole mix, even more so than the Twins. Um, yeah. I guess Clippard's the guy, but I think last week we were saying the same thing. Like, who really knows? Uh, I think yeah. you're just throwing darts kind of in that situation. Yeah, I, I've got nothing. With kickoff rapidly approaching, now is the perfect time to start preparing for the fantasy football season. If you want to dominate your draft, check out the Roto-World Draft Guide for everything you'll need to get a leg up on the competition. It includes more than 500 player profiles, Evan Silva sleepers and busts, mock draft analysis for six different types of leagues, positional rankings from five of our experts, customizable projections, and much, much more. So head on over to rotoworld.com slash draft guide. That's rotoworld.com slash draft guide to take your first step towards fantasy football glory. Yeah. Um, okay. So along with all the trades, we saw a bunch more call-ups this week. Uh, the first notable one here is Ahmed Rosario with the Mets. Finally, uh, we've been waiting on that one for a while, but it finally happened. Um, I think most fantasy owners are familiar with Rosario already. Have heard a lot about him. He's considered one of the top prospects in the game. So I don't really have to go over the numbers from AAA, but um, like I said in Waiver Wired on Thursday, the speed has really been the most impressive thing to me so far watching his first three games uh he had he had another triple on thursday so he has two through his first three games uh it was a stand-up triple thursday actually um i'm not sure if he's going to be a big stolen base guy uh but actually seeing him out there playing uh it's just taken me by surprise at just how fast he is mm-hmm. yeah i mean usually i mean some sometimes like that'll translate once you get to the major league level and get comfortable start getting a little more aggressive on the base paths. Yeah, I think he's someone who may need a little bit more confidence before like stealing bases. You look in the minors, he didn't have huge stolen base numbers, but he was useful in that category. So 
<clears throat> so I think it's something to keep an eye on with him. Uh, I don't know if he's a shallow mixed league guy yet. I don't think he stands out enough in any one category. And I think it's fair to say he's going to have some ups and downs as he adjusts to major league pitching. So we can't count on the batting average either. Um, but I think if you if you need a middle infielder in a deeper format, he's definitely worth a flyer. He's already owned in 40% of Yahoo League. So that sounds about right with where he should be in this point of time. In this point in time. And uh, while Dominic Smith isn't up yet, the expectation is that he will be soon. The Mets are kind of shuffling guys in and out of first base. They traded Lucas Duda to the, to the Rays last week, but they've been playing Jay Bruce there over the past couple of days. Uh, Bruce could end up being traded pretty soon, too. So I think maybe they want to clear some of those guys out uh, before bringing Smith up. Smith is hitting 340 with 16 homers and a 932 OPS uh, with AAA Las Vegas. Yeah, it's Las Vegas, but uh, he hit 385. In July, so uh, this is a guy who you know. There's questions a little bit about the power, um, but definitely a very polished hitter. Doesn't really have much more to prove down there. So uh, I'm excited to see him come up, and I think he he could be like a corner infielder guy uh, down the stretch. Yeah, uh, the Braves promoted top infield prospect Ozzy Albez on Tuesday, and manager Brian Snitker said he'll be the team's everyday second baseman going forward which pushes veteran Brandon Phillips into a utility role for really the first time in his career. Uh, Phillips was taking fielding practice at third base the other day. I don't, he might not play very much at all down the stretch. As for Albez, uh, the 20 year old from Curacao was batting 285 with a 771 OPS, nine home runs and 21 stolen bases in 97 games this season at triple a Gwinnett. Uh, he has 102 career stolen bases in the minors. I think, the speed jumps out is possibly giving him fantasy relevance, though I'd worry about him getting on base at a good clip at such a young age. Um, the Reds recalled outfield prospect Jesse Winker on Tuesday, and he's been starting in right field with Scott Shebler possibly done for the season due to a strained rotator cuff. Um, Winker's a top 100 guy, top 50 on some prospect rankings, uh, who was batting 314 with an 803 OPS at tri- AAA Louisville. Um, he's homered in back-to-back games since his call-up, but he had just two home runs in 85 games this year at AAA, so probably not someone you need to rush out and grab in a standard mixed fantasy league, but the opportunity is there for him to get regular playing time down the stretch in a very power-friendly home park. So I think there's maybe a, a bit of sneaky value there, maybe for AL- NL-only leagues. Um, Giants prospect Ryder Jones was called up to the majors on Thursday morning after Connor Gillespie was designated for assignment late Wednesday night. Jones is not a top 100 guy like some of these other people we've been talking about, but he's a former second-round pick. He was batting 312 with a 969 OPS, 13 home runs, 44 RBIs in 64 games this season with AAA Sacramento. Another possible sneaky option in NL-only fantasy formats with a good path to regular playing time. Though I guess the Giants are going to give... Pablo Sandoval at shot that's a shot at some point for for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a reunion tour, uh, basically. Um, but yeah. I wouldn't think he'll get in the way of of a younger player. That doesn't make any sense. But it does seem like Sandoval could be up pretty soon. And then a, a final note before we close this out: um, it sounds like Brewers top outfield prospect Lewis Brinson is going to be headed back to AAA Colorado Springs. That move might have happened. Um, while we're recording here on Thursday night. Um, another short stay at the Major League level for him. He homered in his first two games after getting recalled on July 26th, but he's 0-9 for 9 with three strikeouts since then, and Keon Broxton has started 
in, in his place in each of Milwaukee's last three games. Um, I just dropped Brinson for Broxton in one of my 12-team leagues, hoping for some speed and a little pop down the stretch. I think Brinson's going to be a monster eventually, but um, you know the Brewers are in win now mode, and they you know they they, they need to like have players that are going to be productive. Broxton drove in the go-ahead run, and the Brewers went over the Cardinals on Thursday afternoon, and also robbed a home run in, in center field um, with a really great catch. I wish they gave Brinson more of a chance. It feels like yeah, they, they, didn't, they didn't really they didn't really give him much. Um, but uh, I mean, and we know Broxton; he strikes out a ton. He strikes out, I think, yeah. thirty thirty seven percent of his plate appearances over the past two years. Um, but he's a guy who can give you power and speed. So from a fantasy perspective, you know, it's a bummer to see Brinson go down, but Broxton is a really good pickup in mixed leagues right now. Uh, probably not going to help in batting average, but a guy down the stretch who could give you five to 10 homers, five to 10 steals, you'll, you'll definitely take that. So, yeah. um, you know, some good with the bad for sure. Um, but looking forward to Brinson in the future, it doesn't seem like, I mean, maybe if the Brewers really fall out of it down the stretch, we could see Brinson again in September, maybe give him a long look. Um, but just a guy to kind of keep in mind for the future at this point. Um, anything else for this week? That's all I got. Cool. So uh, that will do it for this week. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can always email rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, that's rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Sill. And we'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.